Today I will be reading from 2 Corinthians 9, 6-9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Thanks, Ron. Well, what a joy to be together. You know, this is a time where uh, many of us get to spend time with family. Some of you had your family time days ago or maybe weeks ago, and some have it coming in the future, presence at my house after we get out of here. So we're pretty pumped at our house. But I want you to know, no matter what the case, whether you have family near or far, whether you're with family today or it was in the past or in the future, you're with family right now. It's great to be family. So God bless you for being here today. I hope God will talk to us about this, this thematic uh, thought that we've been on for a while in, here in, this, in our sermon series, The Generous Life. And truly, the key to a generous life is an open heart and and open hands. That's why I love the image that was chosen for this sermon series. It reflects so much what it means to have a generous life. And today we're especially going to think about, on this day of all days, being cheerful givers. Our text today is 2 Corinthians 9, if you'd like to turn there. Because today is the season, or this is the, this, today's the day of giving, and this is the season of giving. And there is lots of cheer on this day and hopefully there's been a lot of cheerful giving in fact the person associated with giving on this day is Santa okay and Santa if you were to ask a child a young child a toddler or any child what does Santa say they would say thank you very much that is cheerful sounds that is a cheerful sound ho 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 it's a happy sound and that sound does not compare to the joyful announcement of the angels when Jesus came to this earth. At the birth of Jesus. And Jesus, as we've already mentioned, didn't stay a baby in a crib. He became our Messiah, our Savior, and went to the cross. Jesus, on that day of Jesus' birth, it was the greatest example of a cheerful giver when God gave his son. And on the day he died on the cross, it was the greatest example of a cheerful giver as he willingly died on that cross for us. And may we too in our lives reflect being cheerful givers. And may this be a time that our lives are filled with cheer because of the greatest gift ever given. But on this day when we're thinking about gift giving, tell me, what's the most meaningful to you? The actual gift or the heart behind the gift? I will say that it can change with our age and it can change with situations. I get that. I would imagine there's a few of you, like me, that have grown to the point where the thought behind the gift is oftentimes the greatest. I mean, the, the thinking that goes into it. I mean, in our house, the gift giver is my wife, and the amount of thought and planning. I mean, I just love to see it because of the work and the effort and the thought and the consideration. Thoughtful gifts are very meaningful and powerful in our lives. I mean, it is really good when you get what you asked for. I mean, when you get what you wanted, what's on your list, you put it the list out there and somebody gave it to you off the list, that's good, that's good. I mean, they appreciate the time and the effort. 
It's, it's very powerful, though, when the giver values something very much, and then they gave it away. Isn't that a powerful gift? I mean, a questionable kind of gift, though, is some, there's something that you always wanted, and so you're going to give it to your spouse because you always wanted it, and maybe they'll share. Yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift. Questionable at best. Probably not the, the most powerful. But the greatest gift is something that when somebody thinks about you, and they thought up what, what they reminded them, of, reminded them of you, and they maybe made something to give you as a gift. They put their time and energy and their effort and their heart into it. And children give some of the best gifts for this very reason. But it's not just children. Don't you love a gift that has a thought behind it? Can we all agree that the thought counts? I hope so. And I would hope as we mature, that even means more to us. I'm reminded of the, the Sorcerer's Stone. I don't know if you ever read the book or not. But in it, there's this character named Dudley Dursley. And it's his 11th birthday. And on his birthday, he's getting all of these gifts. And he becomes very angry and throws a tantrum because there's only 37 gifts. Which is too short of the previous year. But it did include a second television, a, a video games, a sports bicycle. I don't know what all it included. It included a bunch of things. And he throws a fit because it's too short. But his mother reminds him that they'll go to the zoo later that day with his best friend. And, and, and yeah. The story goes on. But what an ungrateful person who has been given so much. I hope that we recognize the thought behind the gifts we receive. I also hope that you maybe have discovered the joy of giving. Have you? Have you, have you discovered the joy of giving? You know when you go to a wedding, we have all know that when the bride comes in, it's wonderful to look at the bride and how beautiful she is, but we all have to take a peek at the groom, right? And watch him as a blubbering fool as this, this beautiful bride comes down the aisle. Have you discovered, though, when children are opening gifts to look at the parent or grandparent? Because oftentimes, the people who gave the gift to especially a young child are having the most fun. I mean, they know what's coming. And nothing makes them smile more than when they unwrap the present and see something that they, that they love or enjoy. The biggest smiles around the Christmas tree are often from the giver, not the receiver. Have you discovered the joy of giving? I mean, it, it's an excitement of, of giving a gift because you've prepared something for someone you love and you cannot wait to give it. You just almost can't keep the secret. At your house, who is the person that can't keep the secret with their gifts? I, I mean, in our family, we could tell you. It's a couple of guys in our family, and they, they get so excited about giving. First of all, they can't wait to give it to you, and it's hard for them to keep it a secret. They want you to know they have it, and they want to share it, and they can't stand the thought that it's just staying around unused, unenjoyed, unappreciated. They can't wait to share, can't wait to give. And there's this antsy anticipation of giving. You know what I'm talking about, right? Anybody want to fess up that you're that person? None of, okay, I see a few little shy hands. I'm looking up at some of my family to see if I see a hand in the air. Uh, he's, not, he's not owning it. But uh, we know who, the, who those people are. They're, they're antsy because they anticipate giving so much. It's a joy. Well, with these thoughts in mind, that thought of, 
of the thought behind the gift versus the actual gift or the joy of giving. Let's go to our text and talk about the secrets of being cheerful givers. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, when you think about this grain, this seed that this farmer has, sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense for us. But in that day and time, it was an agricultural society. And, and when Jesus is talking, when, when this story is told, when this concept is expressed, everybody knew what they were talking about. I mean, they, they all had neighbors who were farmers and, and who thought that they could just put out a few seeds and, and they'd get a big crop. Or they were afraid to put it out because what if the birds come up? and eat it all and, what, and do I, will I have enough to will I go hungry all these concepts must have been in the back of their mind but the purpose of a seed is either to plant it so you can grow it or if it's if the, use the grain to eat and that's hard for us to understand we buy seed we don't save part of a crop so that we can plant it but in agricultural economy that's what happens and they would have seen that. They would have seen the planting, the weeding, the, the prayers for the rain, the struggles, all to see if they could have a harvest so they could go on. But they also knew what it looked like to see a farmer who would refuse to risk his grain for next year's harvest. And so they, this thought is shared. Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And in the giving, though, that that Paul is talking about, that Jesus teaches us about, it's not just that outward seed. It, it starts with the mind, to think these things through, and it starts with the heart. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, cheerful giving is not impulsive giving. It is a deliberate decision. I mean, we think about it. We plan towards it. Cheerful giving is intentional and it is planned. Paul had already told in, in this story, in this context, he had told the Christians to set aside every week this money that was going to be used to bless the, those in need in Jerusalem. And he didn't want to have to rely on their gifts coming because of an urgent appeal or pressure that he might bring. He wanted them to take time and pray about it and think about it and to, and to give through planned giving, decide in your heart, not re out of reluctance or compulsion. Because he knew, Paul knew that God weighs the heart and not the gift. And a cheerful give, giver gives out of a sincere gratitude of what God has given them. And that's what God cherishes. So he stresses, not reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, he didn't want guilt giving. You know what it looks like to have to give. You know, I, I have to give. You also know what it feels like to want to give. There's a difference. You also know what it feels like to have somebody gave you a gift, so now you have to buy them a gift because if they gave something to you, you've got to give it to them, so you're guilty. And I mean, you've got to do it. That is not what God wanted from these Christians. God says, I've given you everything. But I don't want you to have guilt giving or have to giving. I want you to want to give. That's what God desires. Because God loves a cheerful giver, not a reluctant giver, not a reciprocal giver, 
not a give a gift because it's expected. Instead, what God wants is a cheerful giver that reflects on what they have been given and they want to give. In fact, it's more than just want to. They feel very thankful. They get to give. They can give. I can give to this. It's a big difference, and it starts with the heart. In Romans chapter 12, he makes this point in a unique way. Romans 12 talks about different gifts that we have been given, talents, abilities from God. And he talks about several different gifts, like prophesying and serving and teaching and encouragement are some of them. And with each one of those, he says, if, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, encourage. It is to encourage, then encourage. Makes sense, right? I give you something, use what you've given, and give it to other people. But there are three things that he adds an adverb to as well. So second, Romans 12, verses 6 and 8. We have different gifts. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is show mercy, do it cheerfully. You see that? Generously, diligently, cheerfully. That's what God is after. Descriptive actions that show how we should use a gift should be with generosity, with diligence, and with joy, with cheerfulness. That's how we're supposed to give. And it all starts with the heart. So here's some reasons to have a cheerful heart. It's because what the harvest brings. First of all, generosity grows generosity. Back in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, you see that little phrase at the end, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I think in a very real way, generosity grows generosity. That's the harvest. The seeds of giving harvest giving. The, the more you give, the harvest of your many gifts is a greater number of giving, ability to give. For those of us that are part of this church family, you know we have just been talking a lot about a special community project we want to do in Angel Park and how that could be a potential light in our community as we think about 100 years as a church family and a congregation in this community and how we could really touch the community through this this property, Angel Park. And so we spent time dreaming and a few weeks ago we, we gave towards it. And as we were giving, you'll likely remember something we stressed several times. Any gifts to the Angel Park Community Project are, are not to take away from your regular giving here to the, on a Sunday or to Commission Sunday. And, it, and we even said it's not to take away gifts from other ministries and good works that you support. Instead, just ask God, what, what, what can I do to help with that? And one of the reasons why we, and, and then if you remember the gift, it was incredible. I mean, we're going to be able to do quite a bit. The point is, a giving heart grows more giving. Generosity just grows generosity. God can do each of those good works through his people and still do more generosity grows generosity verse 8 and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work wow so we talked about this farmer who sowed sparingly there's probably a lot of thought process that went into that 
He was probably a little bit afraid. There's some obstacles. Basically, the primary feeling of sowing sparingly would probably be worry. Worry. And if you want to know what worry looks like, well, it's sowing sparingly. And when you talk, it probably starts with the two words, what if? For the farmer, it was probably, what if I sow all these seeds and the birds come and eat, eat them? Or what if I sow these seeds and then I don't have enough to eat before the harvest comes? What if it doesn't rain? What if something comes up and I really wish I had it back? The biggest obstacle to overcome sowing sparingly is worrying. I think that might still be true for us as well. For us to give generously and cheerfully, we have to overcome worry. What if I give and I won't have enough for my retirement? What if an emergency comes up? What if I lose my job? What if? And we fail to sow. The purpose of God's overwhelming blessings, though, is always to equip people to do His work. And the gifts that we give are gifts from God that He's given to us. Some people think that Christian giving is a contract with a contract with God. In other words, if I want to get, I have to give. So I give to get. And that's not it at all. What it is, is God providing everything that's needed to do what God, what needs to be done. So that in the end, our works bring praise and glory to Him. So notice the word all in this passage. All things, all times, all that you need. God provides. That's the whole point. The blessing of abundant provision is just, you have just what you need to do what God wants you to do so that we can abound in every good work. Have you discovered this truth yet in your life? I hope you have. I hope you can reflect on your life and you can see how God has done just that. The, the highlight for me when this really happened, I've talked to you about this before because it's such a, a pivotal point in my, my life happened on our mission trips. Oftentimes, these, this, this uh, seeing that you have all things at all times and all that you need comes in stressful moments. You know, we, we used to take a large group down to Mexico before it became too dangerous for us to go. And uh, when you take that many people to a, a country, in a third world country, in a place where we're going, you're just going to have problems. I mean, just, you just were. One year, we, we, uh, we had a little theme for the trip. In fact, it happened we kept it more than one year and that was it was just a simple th three word watch in wonder watch in wonder so many times on that trip I would see an issue come up sometimes fairly serious ones maybe dangerous ones and I learned just to, to trust God to say okay God man, what what are you going to do and just start looking around and see what God brought Who's there? Just the right person at just the right time to do just what needs to be done and to get through it. It's not just on mission trips, but it's true for our mission in life. He gives us all we need, not for our own enjoyment, 
but that we might be able to serve him and help others. We are to abound in every good work. That's the point. We have all we need to do every good work that God puts in front of us. Because God provides just enough. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You see the whole point? You, you want to sow sparingly? Listen, God provides seed, seed to eat and God provides seed to sow. He supplies the seed for the sower and the bread for food. And he'll increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest. It's enough to meet our needs, but not just enough for us. There's more. What God has given us is to help us meet the needs of others as well. Imagine sending uh, your child or, or if you have a helper, somebody that's helping you accomplish things. Imagine sending them to the store with some money to buy food for somebody that you know is in need. And they, they come back and they bring a small sack of food and they bought the least expensive and the least amount. So that, and, and in the bag, they also, in, in their hands they have another bag that's got a bunch of candy in it because with the money they saved and didn't spend to, to help somebody who needed the food, but they got some food for them. They bought some candy for themselves. How, how would it make you feel? How would it make you feel? Or if you, you sent a child to buy a present for somebody in need and they, you gave them a budget and they said, oh, let's just buy these two, one or two things and then I, I see something I really would like and let's spend the rest of it on me. It would show the heart, wouldn't it? You would want to say, no, 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 I, I gave you that money and I gave it to you for a purpose and you're not using it for the purpose I gave you. I wonder how God feels when he sends his children out into this world. And we give a portion of what we've been given. God blesses us so that we can bless others. He blesses us so that we can sow seeds without fear of going hungry, right? So when you sow a seed of generosity, you know what grows? Generosity. But let me tell you, it's, it's more than just the resources given to us. He's, it's more than just the seed. He's asking us just to plant, to plant and let him water. Let him gently bring the rain. Let him send the sun to help the plant grow. The seed that we might do is small, but it has great potential when planted in God's field. And what is the harvest? What's the harvest of that small effort at generosity that we gave? It is not a harvest of personal wealth and riches. It's right there on the screen. What is the harvest? will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God, it takes the inadequate good works that I give and I do in this world, and he blesses many people with them. And all I had to do was give, was to plant. 
Jesus himself said in Acts 20, 35, he's quoted, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And again in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Humanly speaking, if you define by this world, the person who gives should be the person who loses. But that is not the case according to Jesus. This doesn't mean we need a bargain with God and look God I gave so I'm purchasing a blessing from you. It's not what it's about at all. No, we should look at it as an opportunity to show our love for God and say God I am trusting you and I give. Every way. 2 Corinthians 9:11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God gives to us in so many ways so that we'll be ready to give on every occasion, to help, to work, to serve. And giving generously to those in need causes good things to happen. It helps people. That's true. It blesses others. It's a great blessing. Paul is specifically teaching them that the gifts that they're about to give are going to help the Christians in Jerusalem. And not only that, they're going to be a testimony that we're going to be talking about even today. So it's going to help them. But it is going to be remembered as well. Verse 9, as it is written, those have freely, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It is going to be remembered. And it's going to be remembered most by those who received it, the poor, the ones who got the gift. I mean... It is going to be in the memory of those that are helped. And those Christians in Jerusalem remembered how the Gentiles helped them. And it was a blessing. It was a, it was a great blessing. And they remembered it. And you remember gifts as well. Tell me every gift you got last Christmas, though. How about the Christmas before that? Tell me your favorite gift every gift year of your life. You remember some of the great gifts you've given, been given. It's wonderful. But can you remember every gift... You've been given so many meaningful gifts and you remember them and the impact of those gifts live on in your life but you can't remember everything but when I do good when I give it is a blessing because it is received it is remembered for at least some amount of time and it is a blessing to that person but it's not just remembered by the person helped it goes into not just a human memory but into God's memory and God will never forget the gifts we give he'll never forget what a blessing there's no Christian song that you you might have might have heard was, I learned it from I first heard it from an old Christian artist named Ray Boltz it was written by D. Armstrong and Paul Herman it's called Thank You and it's a story of a person going to heaven and in heaven there were they're walking, and a, a man comes up to him and, and says, You might not remember me, but when I was eight years old, you taught my Sunday school class. Because of your teaching, I'm here today. And he goes a, a little bit farther along, and he says, you, you probably don't remember me, but you remember that day that a missionary came to your church, and your heart was touched, you didn't have much to give, but you gave anyway, and I'm here today because of a gift like yours. And then just to pick up the poem of the song, one by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed.
And I know that up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I'm almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, he said, My child, look around you, for great is your reward. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. What a beautiful thought. And it's the message Paul was trying to teach these people in Corinth. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 11. Well, I hope you didn't have a stingy Christmas. But more than that, I hope you're not a stingy Christian. They should be wiped out. Two words that do not go together. Paul wanted his readers to be generous on every occasion. And God wants his children today to be the same. Generosity proves to others that this old heart has changed. It's been cleansed of self-interest. And in its place, it's reflecting the servanthood of Jesus Christ. It reflects God who gave his son. And it reflects Christ who gave his life. And the result? The neighbors think I'm a wonderful person because I'm generous. Our praise goes to God. May God get the glory. Cheerful giving. I hope you learn the joy of giving. The key? Right here in your heart. Open hands and open hearts. That's the key. It's a journey. It's a journey. God follows us each step of the way. Uh, God bless you for being here today. We're going to sing a song of reflection and invitation. Uh, the song happens to be step by step, right? And I would just reflect that on this journey of giving and having a cheerful heart, being cheerful givers, God's going to help you each step of the way. Just take another step. But more importantly, I'd ask you to reflect on your standing with God. For those of us who are Christians, and maybe we've stepped away, it's time to step back. We'd love to welcome you home, welcome you back, and pray for you. For those of you who've never given your life to Christ, won't you open the gift he gave in Jesus? That means that you have to submit to him, decide that you're not in charge anymore, declare him Lord of your life, confess your sins, decide to live differently, and be baptized. It's a submission. And then he gives you a life worth living, a new, new life, a new life. It's going to be a shepherd and their wife in the parlor. They'd love to visit with you there if you'd like for them to pray with you, but we'd love to pray alongside you as well. If you need to respond in this time of reflection, we invite you to come and do so as we stand together and sing.